Hello there. We would be honored if you would join us. You're right about one thing, Captain. We are no Jedi. Hello there and welcome to the Ahsoka Review Podcast, part of the Nerd Podcast Network and sister show to Spark of Rebellion, the weekly news podcast that brings you everything you need to know from a galaxy far, far away. I am one of your hosts, Mark Asquith, and I'm going to chat through Ahsoka Episode 3, Time to Fly, with my good friend Mr. Gary Aylett in just one second. I'm going to bring him on like a purgle through the clouds in just a moment. But before I do that, just a quick reminder, this is the sister show to Spark of Rebellion. We run that show every single week where we recap all of the Star Wars news from that week and we release it every single Saturday. However, when there's a big show over on the Disney Plus, we spin up a new show like this as part of our podcast network, Nerd Podcasts, and we put it out as a separate show and drop this episode into Spark of Rebellion's feed as well. So if you're listening over on Spark of Rebellion, like our good friend Kevin, well, hello again and welcome back. And if you are new to the show via the Ashoka Review Podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else. Hello and welcome. Now, if you want to get involved, you can become one of the Spark Rebellion crew at sparkrebellion.com slash support. But without further ado, let us chat through Ahsoka Episode 3, Time to Fly, with, as I said, my co-host, the Purgle from the Clouds. It is Mr. Gary Aylett. All right, dude, how are you? Hello, hello, hello. I'm glad that after this episode, we can now pronounce Purgle correctly. It's not Purgil or Pur Purgilly or anything. It's it's the it's the gugugu, the Purgif, Purgif. Yeah, you've heard it. Heard it here first. That's them saying it. Purgif. Okay. Pur-gif. I'm good, thanks, buddy. I'm good. I'm very well. How are you? I'm all right, mate. Thank you. Yeah. Have you been uh, doing much Star Wars this week other than watching Ahsoka? Other than uh, other than Ahsoka, no, mate, no. Another couple of chapters waxed off of the old Red Blade, but otherwise. How are you getting on with that? Nothing else. Oh, it's very cool, mate. Isn't it good? I, I can see I can see um, her doing another another couple of books at least, you know. I reckon she's going to be a... Because it's been really well received. If you go onto Goodreads or, um, or just do a Google search for that book, mm-hmm. it's been reviewed really well. It's, there's not been many many people slating it at all not that you you know there'd be reasons to do that but yeah it's been reviewed really well so i can see her being a bit of a Kevin scott charles soul kind of character within star wars because that first that it's just a belter dude so far very cool good i'm glad you yes. are liking it i'm excited to review it uh when you're done we should do an episode on it i am excited maybe we should stick stick that in uh, one of our other podcast ideas the star wars book club but we'll uh we'll put that mm. down for another Another session. Maybe we'll do that one. Who knows? But that's not why we're here today. We're here to discuss Time to Fly, Ahsoka Episode 3 over on Disney Plus that aired on the 30th of August. A very, very quick recap then. Sabine, Huyang, and Ahsoka are on their way to CTOS through hyperspace, nonetheless. Going to figure out what old Elspeth's up to out there on the way. Of course they do a little bit of training because everyone loves a bit of a montage. We just need a little bit of music. We've got some very interesting interactive scenes with Huang, uh, Huyang and Sabine with a little bit of lightsaber train, then Ahsoka trying to draw the force out 
of Sabine, which sort of harks back to Kane and saying you just closed off a little bit. So that is going to be something that we absolutely get into because that's a, that's a pretty big deal, actually. So that was quite an interesting set of circumstances. In the meantime, we also saw our wonderful Harrison Duller go off to the New Republic. Powers that be, yeah? The number bods and ask for help. Going over to see us under the threat of Thrawn's return. At which point, Ziona, who uh, was a character making a cameo from Star Wars Resistance, which was quite cool, basically said, you're doing this to find Ezra. That's bang out of order. We're not going to send you any money and we're not going to send you any fleet. We're not going to send you any people. So again, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about there. And we then saw an epic space battle between Shin, Marok, some nameless, nameless red shirts. Yes, that's right. That's a cross-reference. And we saw the return of the mighty Purgle. There's a lot to get into. And Balan Skull, of course. And uh, he, he, he just, well, he just glowered. That was it. He just did, did a look. But to be fair, he was like the standout of the entire episode with that look. The guy's a cut above. Ray Stevenson, cut a bloody above. Anyway. Good beard. Big old beard. Cracking mm. little episode, fun little episode. Towards the end, we find our heroes potentially stranded, but probably not, on Cetos, getting hunted down by, of course, Balin and Shins. I don't want to say hench people. Hench, I don't want to say that because I'm not entirely sure what they are. They clearly are droids, people, and Marek, the last Inquisitor. So a fun little episode, dude. One of those episodes that felt like absolutely nothing happened, and the more that you sit back and think about it, a shed ton actually happened. So really quite an interesting episode. So quick first thoughts from you. Let's get your scores on the doors out of 10. I'll give mine and then we'll wax lyrical for a bit about what we liked, disliked and whatever else from the episode. So what are you thinking, Stallion? Yeah, it's an interesting one for part three because we're not we're just under halfway through and I, I was expecting an episode like this in another one or two episodes. So... My score initially is probably going to be a six and a half. And it's because um, it wasn't a bad episode. But you kind of nailed it there. It felt like not much went down with this one. When, you know, at face value, I've watched it twice. And I watched it just about an hour ago, I think. Or a couple of hours ago. And on that second viewing, you you do appreciate a little bit more of the, of the, the setup, I guess for the story and what's going on in a wider galaxy at the time. And, uh, but it's just a collection of little scenes, really. Like the first two episodes, they were big kind of sweeping, you know, we need to get from, from A to B and we need to go and investigate this. We need to go and do this. This one was a bit like, okay, we've got the end. We've got the end. We've got our eyes on the prize a little bit. We know what we're doing, but there wasn't other than the big space battle that we had towards the end. There wasn't really anything else of, of consequence immediately, if that makes sense. So there was a lot of conversational stuff going on. It was, it felt a lot slower, which is not a bad thing. It just felt a bit like, um, you know, you had to, you had to pay attention a wee bit more. So I think this one was boy, it was based more towards the, the, the older end in terms of age of the fa- of fandom. I think if you were a, a young and if you're a young stallion watching this one, you'd probably be a bit, I know my son would be a, a wee bit bored with this one compared to parts one and two. Whereas I think that's really cool. I think that whole, um, the, the, the dive into 
what's going on politically. So we saw the 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 new senators for the new republic when Hera's requesting some backup to go and investigate what's going on with Thrawn and whatnot. And there's a bit of um there's a bit of awkwardness there between one of the um the senators. I think it was um what's the guy's name? Uh Hamoto, was it? Giono. He's the one from the Resistance Star Wars Resistance cameo. That's the one, yeah. Hamato Giano, yes. And um yeah, so he's not having any of it, you know. Whereas Hero wants to do it. And so um so yeah, so it felt a bit original trilogy esque, which which I thought was very cool. It just I, I'm giving it a six and a half because I feel like there's way better episodes to come, in the, especially the latter half. So yeah, a good episode, dude. Not terrible, not not blowing your socks off, but pretty decent. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to give it the same score actually, um, mainly for the reason. So it's quite interesting that like it felt more like an episode of Andor in terms of it just being very character-driven, which I thought was really good. And then they'd just gone, right, okay, we need some Clone Wars badassery in there, which we'll get we'll get to, right? So it felt like there was a real cross of it, a cross between those two things, which in my mind leads you to, you know, quality of writing aside between what I'm about to say and Andor. Uh, it leads you to, like, for me, it felt very prequely. Like you can, I could imagine the entire episode being edited and being made into like a fifteen-minute sequence in *Revenge of the Sith* or *Attack of the Clones* or something. And because it looks stunning, like everything on a circuit at the minute is looking big budget, movie-level quality stuff. And it's funny because it's almost to me, it felt like the prequels. Um, like had they had decent dialogue, you know? <laughs> yeah. So mm. it was, because there was some badass stuff, which I know we'll get to. Um, so I, yeah, I'm going to give it a six, six and a half out of 10 for that very reason. Um, I think there's different to come, but whether that's better, whether that's more. Episode five, which is the annoying one, because I'm away for it, is 49 minutes. It's a Dave Filoni written and directed episode that is looking like the outlier that's looking like it will be the one that was like the ones in Book of Boba Fett and Mando where we saw it. Okay, here's here's the main story for like two minutes at the beginning, two minutes at the end, and then here's a mega flashback or a digression to something really law heavy. And, mm. you know, I, I think that, you know, if that is the case, that's going to, it's going to, we're going to sk- probably start scoring it like we did the first two episodes, which is here's my fan score and here's my like casual viewer score. Now with this episode... I feel like you could like that six and a half is just a straight score. It sort you sort of didn't need the fan score and the non-fan score, you know, because it just felt like okay, there's enough exposition here, um, and and we we there's enough spectacle here and enough progression just about of the story that we can figure it out. Um, I think we're going to get episode four is going to probably end. Um, on something that changes the game a little bit. Episode five will be a slight digression. Three and, and, and the last three will probably start to tighten everything up. That's just what my gut tells me. Um, mm. One final thought on the top level stuff. The reason I'm sort of being... Um, the reason I'm being a little bit more pragmatic about this episode is that I know a lot of people online are like, I saw because shit because it's super slow. They say it about everything. Obi-Wan Kenobi, they said it about Andor. Um... 
like the Patterson cut is now my filter. Yeah, like, like I said last week, I'm going to probably look back at the end of a circle and be like, thank God they took their time because they set up a load of other threads. Like these people are better writers than fans. That's just a fact, all right? We can say as much as we want and see, you know, say that we want to see what we want because we think it'd be really cool. They are better writers. That's it. So yeah, six and six and a half. Let's get to some of the good stuff, dude. Um, I want to talk about Sabine and Ahsoka a little bit. Ahsoka's lost a little bit, well, a lot of her snippiness. She's a bit dour at the minute. I'm hoping that changes, right? <laughs> but a lot of the, the character development is actually huge for Star Wars, all right? The fact that we've, we, you know, we know there are more Mandalorian Jedi than just Tar Vizsla, that, that was, it, it, was, it was alluded to by uh, Hu Yang. The fact that Sabine's a decent fighter, just a little bit rusty, great with weapons, but shocking with the Force. Um, was quite interesting that then Ahsoka decides to keep training her and sort of pulls on that thread from Kanan in Rebels a little bit saying she just closed off and Ahsoka sort of changed the game for the Force a little bit and sort of, in my mind, she honestly, like she built on The Last Jedi where the goal of The Last Jedi was, just, Jedi was to say, look, you don't have to be a big player in this story. You don't have to have dynasty. You don't have to have legacy. You don't have to be anything special. To, to to enjoy aspects of the Force and to make a difference in the galaxy. That's why we saw Broom Boy. It's why we saw Ray's parents, theoretically the original plan, being absolute no ones. And, and instead, we got the retcon in Rise of Skywalker that obviously you have to be someone. And it feels like Filoni's gone back and pulled on that thread a little bit and said, actually, yes, Sabine, you are someone. You were the wielder of the Darksaber. You've made a big difference on Mandalore. You brought the family back together. You've sorted the clans out. All right, you did a great job. You were one of the original rebels. Cool. You've done a, a shit ton for the rebellion to restore the, the peace in the, in, in, the, in the Republic. But drag out some of the force that Obi-Wan said was there, binding us all together, that Qui-Gon said was there, binding us all together. You know, let's practice this instead of saying that you're just a natural talent. So uh, that feels like a game changer, dude. That does. It's a small thing, but it feels like a game changer. It changes the whole aspect of what it means to be, I don't want to say a Jedi, but to be someone that can uphold the Jedi ways and even the Sith ways. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think this show has, has done that in a couple of different areas as well, which we'll probably speak about at some point. And uh, I think that's the Filoni-esque side of it. I think, you know, he's really digging into and leaning into the whole, um, a few bits that he probably spoke about with George Lucas on, on a number of different things across the Clone Wars and Rebels, you know. And I think this is now coming to fruition in the live action stuff because you often get the feeling that the films are the, are the, the Bible, if you like. That the films are the things like you don't mess with anything to do with the films and the TV shows are kind of playing second fiddle to the films. But I think as we go further through these new Disney plus shows, especially um, the, the, the ones that are exploring around this timeline, I think we, especially if Filoni continues to do them, I'm not sure what's going to happen after the whole big Mandalorian esque multiverse film thing that he's going to do. I'm not sure what's going to happen after that, but um, it definitely feels like we're starting to pull out a few threads that, that the films wouldn't allow us to get into too much. Cause you mentioned like the big themes with the retcon with, you know, you have to be somebody and, and all that stuff. But I think now the, I think Filoni and, and, uh, and those guys are starting to just push back a little bit on, on the supposed rules that the, 
that the movies have set out a little bit. And this whole thing with Sabine is a great, great example of that. The other one, of course, that we'll probably speak about is the whole um, traveling between galaxies thing, the expansion of the story outside of our, of the, not ours, but you know, the Star Wars galaxy and whatnot. So yeah, the whole Sabine thing is, it, it's a great, when I mentioned earlier about this feeling very original trilogy-esque, this episode, that's one of the things that made me feel that way, you know, this whole, especially the training thing between Ahsoka and Sabine at the beginning, where um, it's just repeating almost sometimes the dialogue, but sometimes how the scenes pan out, the stuff that we've seen before in the original trilogy in the last couple of episodes, the um, the wording was very similar in a couple of scenes to um, uh, to to um, to a new hope, and it's almost the same with this one now. You know, where Luke's on the Falcon, they've just blasted out of Mos Eisley on their way to um, uh, when they get to um, Tant- uh, Dantooine, or if it was, and um, on the way, Luke's training with the blast shield down. You know, and he's like, he's just weirded out. He's like, how, how am I meant to do this? You know, I can't see anything. It's almost identical with Sabine. She's like, are you kidding me? You know, the wording's almost similar, the, the how they framed it and stuff. So that, that part of it, and you also mentioned earlier, I think some fans will view that as being slow, like the tempo slows down a bit. You know, when um, it's, it's not like the high energy Anakin versus Obi-Wan scenes that we've had before. Even in the Obi-Wan show, when we see the flashbacks and those two are training together, you can feel your heart rate go up a little bit because, um, you know, the John Williams style music kicks in and and it's all very high octane and stuff. Whereas this is a lot more controlled and a lot more, um, you know, it's, uh, it's methodical in this stuff. And I know a lot of fans will translate that as being slow, but I don't know. It just, uh, it, it felt like we needed to do we needed to do it now and get this out of the way because I'm guessing, dude, that at some point in this series, Sabine's going to have a moment. You know, there's going to be a scene where she she has to invoke the Force somehow, whether it's like a little baby Grogu thing, you know, the very first time that he propels somebody across the room and sort of thing. And so it could be something like that. But um, and also want to pick up on Ahsoka as well because. I'm not sure why they've written her to be like this in these first few episodes, dude. Kind of not confused, but it's a bit of a surprise because when we've seen her in the in the animated shows, and even in um even that episode she was in in the Mandalorian, she wasn't this down and and a bit like you know you know when you you know when you you you're happy about stuff and you know you're on a bit of a roll and stuff's going well, and then there's always that one bloody. You know what I mean? There's always that one bloody person that you speak to where you run into and they're like, yeah, life's all right, I suppose. It's like my grandma, dude. <laughs> Fucking. <laughs> Morning, grandma. Merry Christmas. Oh, it'll soon be over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, exactly. Now, all right. Yeah. Ahsoka's given off that bit of a vibe at the minute, dude. I can't explain it because um, you said that she's not as snippy as she was in the animated stuff. But yeah, it's like that character from the far show. Yeah. Oh, there's a bus stop at the road. But they're digging all normal look off all in it. That's exactly it, innit? It is. You know, <laughs> and it's kind of defeatist, like. But then having said that, like, she was 14 <laughs> in, in the original Clone Wars movie. Like, she's like, what, 40 odd now? Like, I ain't 14 anymore. I'm like 41 years old. I'm fucking tired. So. I get it. Yeah. She's been through a lot as well. But 
She doesn't even crack a smile. No, she doesn't. No, a lot of the. No, she has a little a little grin here and there. Um, sometimes at Hugh Yang, you know, when he says something, and she's like, "Oh, for God's sake!" Little, you know, there's little passing grins here and there, but she doesn't have that sort of bounce to her character, if you know what I mean. That kind of, and and also the way that Rosario Dawson delivers lines as well. It's kind of, it's almost monotone for a lot of it as well. So was it? Um, who was the voice actor for her animated show? Was it Ashley? Ashley Eckstein. Eckstein, yeah. She was very melodic and up and down and everything. Even in some of the scenes where she was quite melancholy and, you know, and shit was going down. She was very, I don't know, whereas I think it might be just Rosario Dawson. And her performance is great overall, but I'm finding her character just landing just a wee bit flat. I, so I, would, far. I would even say, yeah. Sir Jetman, I think up to this point, Ahsoka's the worst character on Ahsoka. And I'm not saying she's a bad character and she's badly done, but everyone else is doing a good job, man. And Rosario's doing mm. a good job, but the character's written to be like, meh. And I'm sure she'll change, like you said, but, you know, if we quickly zip through some of the main characters, Bale and Skull, fucking hell, Ray Stevenson is, without a shadow of a doubt, like head and shoulders above everyone else in terms of presence. And I don't want to say ability because that's unfair to everyone else, but ability, like... I just, he is head and shoulders. And then you've got characters like Shin and Marek where you're like, what are they doing? They're weird. So they're sort of got, they're packaged off as these little, ooh, look at those little sort of bizarre things. That's quite cool. Elspeth's like, you know, it's like Gene Hackman's pulled Lex Luthor back out. She's hamming the crap out of it. It works really, really well. (laughs) And then you've got Hera. Who's Hera? You know, she's just, it's almost like you just play Hera. Like Hera, like there's no, there's, I'm not saying that again, not diminishing the character or the acting. It's just Hera's Hera. Like it's straightforward. It's almost like Obi-Wan's Obi-Wan. You expect him to do what he does. And then, the, you know, whatever the Republic people is are, are all fine. Um, but then when you've got like Hu Young and you've got like Chopper, you know, he was only in that second episode properly. You know, the last episode, he was just a little cameo with Jason, which we'll get to in a second. But even then he steals the scene because he's like, you know, did you steal my stuff? You've been touching my shit. And so like Ahsoka's the flattest, like you said, she's the flattest of all of the characters on her own show, which I think is fascinating. It must be for a reason. It must be for a narrative story-based reason, which we'll get to. You know, maybe it's a, maybe it's just disenchantment with the New Republic. Um, so I, I don't know, man, but yeah, I, I, yeah. Mm. She's flat, man. She is. She's flat. And I, I don't think it's Rosario Dawson. I think it's written that way. I think, like you said, it's just written that way. I, th- I think, I hope so anyway. I hope so, because if we're like this still at the, at the end of the season, then she will be, she would, like you said, she's already been overtaken in terms of presence, like on-screen presence and just a bit of badassery here and there. She's already been overtaken. And wait till Thrawn turns up, dude. <clears throat> oh, that's what I was about to say. When we get Thrawn and Ezra come back into it, they've that's going to go up like you know we're going to like plus a hundred in terms of um, what's going to be happening on screen. So one would assume that because, like you said about the Patterson cut and you know the writers on these things know what they're doing. So one would assume that this is very intentional. Maybe it's an Anakin thing, you know. Maybe she's she's not letting on as. She, you know, she's cut up about that stuff more than than what what is uh, is being presented to everyone else. You know, 
Possibly. Well, I suppose there's the whole aspect of... And we don't... I, I anticipate we will find this out, but if I'm a soaker and Luke says to me, took down the Death Star, right? Went back to Endor, got kebab. You're not going to believe this. Walking around all of these bridges, <laughs> which are terrifying, even for a Jedi like me, very, very high, right? And it's dark. Han and Leia are off doing what they do. Bob on. Bob's your uncle. I see old Obi-Wan. You know him. You worked with him, didn't you? See Yoda, you remember him? Yeah, you worked with him as well. Yeah. And guess what else I saw? Saw the old fella, didn't I? Saw the old man. Big Anakin. <laughs> and not how the 80s remember him, as you remember him. You can imagine, and I'm sure we'll find out this answer, if you're a soaker and they've not shown up to you, all three of them that you used to work with, and they've shown up to Luke, you're going to be pissed, man. So maybe, they, <laughs> I know, like, all flippancy aside, maybe there's a little bit of that, you know? Maybe there's something written into this which is... Which could be, I mean, this is smacks a felony, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. To write yeah. something in like this, you know, mm -hmm. to build a characterization around Anakin, being embarrassed to come back, being embarrassed to be a force ghost with her. Um, whether we get a flashback with him, whether we get a force ghost of him, you know, helping out, training, whatever, I don't know. I, I don't know what it will be, but we know Hayden Christensen's in this. It might even be Vader. It might be a recreation of the fight in season two of Rebels. We just simply don't know any of this stuff. But maybe it's just written that she's pissed off for one of these reasons. And I'd, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, I would say so. Because they're the masters of this stuff, you know. And it's not like they've brought someone in fresh who has had a quick, you know, skim watch through the, the animated stuff and then has had a, had a go, <laughs> you know, at writing Ahsoka. This is the dude that came up with the, um, that came up with all this stuff in the first place. So I'm sure that he's got he's got it all in hand, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree, dude. I, I think it's um, I, I think it's one of those things where Dave Filoni knows what he's doing, and what I think what what we've probably got to consider here is that he's not just, even though it looks like it now, he's not just servicing the past. He has to set up a segue to the sequel trilogy. Has to do. We know the First Order's out there in the unknown region somewhere. Maybe in this galaxy that they're gonna, maybe not, maybe in a different one, maybe not in any galaxy, maybe they're just dotted around in wild space, whatever, we just don't know. Um, but we know they're out there. We know that. And we don't know whether Thrawn's gone to the same place, whether there's someone like the Grisk, um, which was a great shout by Kev the other day, um, who were almost like sort of the Vong-style enemies from um, the Thrawn Ascendancy, I believe, trilogy. Um, badasses, you know, sort of um, just grisk. And they were sort of alluded to um, in a few of the books as well. So we just we just don't know what's going on with that. And I think Filoni, the way that he writes stuff, which leads me on to some of the New Republic stuff, it just has to set up his movie. It has to set up the sequel trilogy. And, you know, we know if we skip to the New Republic and, and, and sort of build on that, we know that, in 20 years' time from here, in 15 years' time from here, you've got uh, a Kylo Ren zipping about with Snoke. You've got the First Order coming to prominence, <laughs> zipping about, bombing about. You've got the First Order, who are now, you know, prominent at, at the sequel trilogy. Uh, timing, well, I don't know if they're known across the galaxy, but certainly to uh, Leia, who has had to break off from a, being a senator and whatever. She's had to break off to become a general 
in what they're calling the resistance because the New Republic simply don't believe that this is a thing. And we see the remnants of, not the remnants of it, the early nascent parts of that in this episode. We see, as, as silly as it is, we see this council making the same mistakes as not only the Jedi did, but the old Republic pre-Empire, you know, the, 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 when the, 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 the democracy fell because of, they couldn't make a decision. We see them doing the same thing that they did in Rogue One, which is, ah, sorry, we're voting against getting these Death Star plans. And then when someone goes off and takes action as rogues, they then support it because they have to. And so, I don't know, it, fe- it just all feels very purposeful. I think this is maybe why it felt a little bit prequely as well, because there is a little bit of politicization going on here. Um, mm. And that aspect of the prequels always really interested me. So I'm curious to see where that goes. But he has to set up the New Republic being very slack with action and the resistance, you know, splintering off. Does, you know, do we end up at the end of this with Hera, some sort of layer in the background and Ahsoka and whomever else, you know, actually maybe that's the beginning of the resistance like it was the rebellion. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but what did you make of these kind of political scenes? Um, and, and, and you know, but how did it feel to you, someone that's, you know, being a, who's, the OT has been a big part of, of, of the Star Wars life, whereas me, I'm very, I'm very prequely. So, you know, how did that all feel from a, from a political standpoint? Yeah, it did feel, I must admit, it felt more prequely to me than, than OT. I think the OT aspect of the episode was more so the, the, um, the, the saber training and the force and, and stuff like that with Sabine in terms of the political stuff. Yeah, that was, that felt very, um, uh, Palpatine, chancellor uh, kind of thing that you saw back in uh, Attack of the Clones and whatnot with the whole, the, the sentence of the New Republic and so on. And I do feel like that we're, that, that Filoni is already setting up where Hera's going to go post season one with this. Because you can feel that already. And somebody mentioned it, um, uh, El Kieran, El Mate Kieran, um, who we work with, he mentioned it on on Twitter the other day that after our review for episodes one and two, that for him it gave more appreciation for the rise of the first order when you heard the 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 people who were still loyal to the empire who were kind of embedded still in supposedly everyday life but then they sort of rebelled when the time was right you know to um you know that kind of vibe so i feel like hera's going to go down that path where she's trying to get cuz as as a Star Wars, you know, as Star Wars fans who have been through the whole Rebels with the Thrawn thing, we obviously know what's coming round the corner, and so we kind of stand with Hera as she's requesting the backup from the New Republic dudes to go and investigate and put a stop to Thrawn coming back. So we're all like shoulder to shoulder, you know. It's almost like she's there with us. Um. And you can tell that she's not in the mood to play politics. And because of that, she just wants to get to it and no no messing around. And that leans into what you just said, where you're going to start to see splintered um, points of view from, from, from the politicians and the senators and whatnot in the New Republic. Because if they had their finger on the pulse and they listened to people like Hera, the First Order probably wouldn't have emerged when it did. Because they would have clamped down it all, you know, it just wouldn't be opportunity for them to do that. 
So you can see there's a little bit of foreshadowing going on already um, throughout the season. I think Hera's going to, I think it's one of these things where Hera's going to go off and do that stuff. Ahsoka and Sabine are going to go off and do their thing and then they'll converge at the end, but then something's going to happen and, you know, Hera's going to have to go off and do whatever. And then fast forward and foreshadow further than that, which is, so by the end of this season, we'll be like, what, 20 years pre The Force Awakens. And how long would the First Order have been um, active at that point? Uh, I don't know. Not five, too long. Ten, Probably not years? even that long, I don't think. A couple of years, maybe? Yeah, I think so. Just based on like resistance and stuff. Yeah. So so the political aspect of what's happening now, which Filoni's doing a really good job of sort of subtly setting the scene, you can see, um, you know, that that stuff is going to play out in the run-up to The Force Awakens. So this gap that they're filling... With stuff and maybe this is the maybe there's some really cool political storylines that, that are going to emerge from this dude that we've had we wouldn't have even dreamt of you know maybe thrawn's like maybe thrawn's the mastermind of the first order mm-hmm. but he gets wiped out or he gets a proper slap between now and the force awakens and he's killed somehow and so the force awakens is the brain uh, sorry the first order is the brainchild of thrawn but something happens to him and somebody else, you know, or the other, you know, the other, I know there's a bit more to it mm-hmm. than that, in, you know, with the whole, um, you have the emperor thing that comes to light in the rise of Skywalker. I know that there's more to it than that, of course, but you know, the, 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 the first order and the, everything that the galaxy sees is all via Thrawn's doing. And then behind the scenes, it's the emperor pulling the strings with the cloning thing, you know, and all the Snoke stuff. So, Maybe that's where they're going. Maybe that's the gap, dude. That 15 or so years between the end of Ahsoka and The Force Awakens, maybe. But sorry, to go back to your question, the the political side of things, I, I love that stuff anyway, because we're huge fans, aren't we, of the whole, the OG, you know, manipulator within the, pol- the political era of the prequels, which is um, old Papa Palps. So, yeah, it's, it's shades of that, which I love. Yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah, I agree. It, it's it's interesting because they're setting up the cloning in Bad Batch. They're setting everything up. I I just think I agree. I, I think they're setting up a version that we know of of heir to the Empire. Um, that pulls on certain threads, but has to lead to the sequel trilogy. So I, 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 I yeah, I, I would imagine that we're gonna get a version which is, you know, Thrawn and the Emperor had a backup plan. Um, mm-hmm. and th- regardless of Thrawn disappearing or not, he wants to enact that backup plan, which is clone the shit out of everything, you know, and that sort of leads just enough into air to the empire. And so, you know, so I don't know there's some in there. Um, we'll have to see how we get remember on with that. We had but- the, um, sorry, dude. Remember we had the, the, the whole thing that set up the beginning of the Mandalorian as well. So they were after Grogu for the cloning. Yes to do the, you know, all that stuff as well. So the cloning aspect is probably going to play a bigger role. And also the, um, uh, Esposito's character at the end of the Mandalorian and all of his cloning stuff as well. So I think the cloning aspect of it is going to play a big, a big old part. Yeah. As we move through it, you know, I agree. I I think it will be interesting. I, I, I wonder if this is going to be the empire of the TV shows and the bad guys are going to win. Yeah. Yeah, you've nailed it there, dude. 
I think it, I think there's something in that. But alas, we shall see. A quick pit stop at Jason Sindulla then. Really good to see him. Um, his only line was, I want to be a Jedi. Bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> You've got to think there. Bit of foreshadowing with his green hair and everything. Um, mm-hmm. Nice to see that this is probably five years after we saw him last time, just based on his hit, on his age. Um, just quite nice to see that little character sort of being there. They could have easily just ignored that and just been like, oh, he's off doing something. Um, so it's quite nice to lean into that and, 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 you know, I think that's probably a foreshadowing like hope to fuck. He doesn't go with Luke. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he disappears for a while and then comes back later on and joins Ray's new Jedi order. Exactly. You've got to think something's going on with it. Again, you've got to think, haven't you? Defo did because you couldn't have the offspring of, of a Jedi who just happens to be, you know, um, one of the things that they played on very heavily in the early days was the fact that, um, and in the Obi-Wan show is the, uh, the fact that there are no Jedi Mm. left really in the galaxy. So when you do come across one, it's like, you know, it's like, where the F have you been? You know, what have you been doing? And, uh, so you would think that setting up the the wee lad at the moment, because we don't know anything about him really, do we? I mean, we only saw him what, once at the end of Rebels. I, I think that was it, was it? Yeah, yeah, right in the once, epilogue. Yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, he's like, he, he's, pr- he's prime opportunity, dude, to mould that character into a Jedi that we're going to see in, in, in his later years, Defo. Defo. Yeah, interesting to see what comes of that one. Um Let's get on to sort of, it was almost like the last 15 minutes was the entire space battle, the hyperdrive being blown out. Um, Just a a range of different things. Basically, this was Ahsoka and Sabine trying to get onto the planet Cetos to figure out what Elspeth was doing. Uh, Huyang carried out the scan under massive attack and fire from the three Spitfires, uh, spaceships, sorry, and... It was just an amazing sequence, you know, confirmed everything that we thought. It's a hyperspace ring. We know that. Um, why she knows she needs a hyperspace ring, because you don't put that amount of brass into it just in case. Um, why why <laughs> she knows she needs a hyperspace ring is sort of interesting and quite weird. Um, who knows? Unless it's just a way to get six hyperdrives into something. I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. Um but this was just all about getting them onto planet, figuring out this was a hyperspace ring and putting some badass, badass, badass space fighting in there. Um, so a number of things I want to kind of pick up on. I enjoyed a couple of things that probably aren't worth spending much time on. First of all, I enjoyed Huyang's um, just interaction, you know, and needing to get closer for the scan. A little bit of comedic timing from Tennant just to kind of, you know, pass out when he passed out. Um and Sabine's leaning into Sabine's rebels background of being the technical one, fixing shit, getting stuff sorted out. And, you know, I'll buy you some time. The main things, I think the three big things that are always worth chatting on, um, I think are probably, of course, just the general space fight, which was very reminiscent of the prequels and probably the one of the best space fights, if not the best one we've probably seen in live action. Um, the absolutely huge, Anakin plan. I'll go out and sort it. And then the return of the Purgle. All massive things. You know, the the just just all, all huge things. So space fight to start with. Uh spaceships that look like Spitfires. Uh Shin was a pilot, a red shirt, a nondescript red shirt that was clearly the first to die. And 
we had Marek, the um, last inquisitor, who spoke properly in this episode. Uh, sounded like Bane. Couldn't tell a word he was saying. And they were trying, obviously <laughs> trying to take down the ship uh, that uh, that Sabine and Ahsoka and Yang were in. And it was just cool. Could see Sabine getting back into the swing of things, being a little bit rusty on the guns and whatever. So there's a lot of nice stuff. So cracking space battle, dude. Really, really well done stuff. Yes, dude. And overall felt very prequely. Hugely. It had sh- it, yeah, had shades of uh, the opening space battle of um, Revenge of the Sith. Where um, Anakin's um, just sort of doing his thing, mm-hmm. you know? And Shin even and- had the same headset on. Yeah, yeah, and it felt like, yeah, they, they were kind of, felt like old times, you know? You know, because that was one of the appeals of the, at the time anyway, when the prequels came out, is the is how cool the visual effects were to do those big epic space battles. So it felt, I mean, it's probably, I'm not going to say easier, but it's it's probably more trivial to plan in a space battle these days than it was back in the day. And um, yes, yeah, so it felt really awesome for that. And we had... Uh, Ahsoka in the EVA suit that she wore in in the Clone Wars a couple of times, you know that blue suit when she went outside. So they've nailed the whole the whole design and feel of it. One thing that was um, that was cool was you can tell you can see the evolution of the design of of the the pew 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 in space battles now. So back in the prequels and obviously the, the original trilogy stuff, the lasers were big and chunky, like they were big, you know, and um, Whereas these now are like very thin, very refined, very accurate and stuff. So you can you can see how they've how they've moved that stuff along. And then lastly, in terms of space battle stuff, although it was very prequely, it was a very very um, uh, Millennium Falcon escaping the um, the the Tie Fighters out of the Death Star when Sabine goes down to the gun the gun turret, you know, and she's got the same headset that Harm wears. Yeah, and even when and she Luke shoots wears, the first yeah. one, literally the same little howl. Yeah, yeah, it's all that. It's like I got one, you know. Yeah, so um, very Star Warsy than overall, but did feel more prequely in the way it was framed and, mm. and shot and stuff. So, but very cool though, dude. Really cool. Yeah, I loved the uh, I, I loved the Ahsoka going out and sorting it thing as well because that was such an Anakin thing. That was such a like that's straight out of the way that that character had been written. You know, you mm-hmm. can just sort of tell the training coming in. You can't see anyone else doing that. You know, it was very, very good to see that. To see a, you know, flip and take one down with a lightsaber and, and, and to see, just to see that working with everything from the magnetic boots to everything. It was just really nicely done. Although it was, we did get one little bit of maybe the older Ahsoka characterization when she's floating by and it looked, you know, Sabine's like, oh shit, Ahsoka. And she's, Ahsoka says, you fixed the ship yet? Like she knows it's fine. She's, she's good. Um, so there was, yeah, there was maybe a little bit of the older Soka characterization in there, which is quite nice to see. Um, and it, it was it was it was topped off quite nice with Huyang saying, you know, you, just before that fight, you know, you come from a line of pretty unconventional Jedi, you know, <laughs> through uh, right back to Qui Gon, really Qui Gon and Obi Wan and Anakin, and you know, it all just sort of cascades down. So um, really, really nicely done. And I love those new ship designs, the little the sort of Spitfire esque fighters. Everything felt very. X-Wing in terms of the, the cockpit. It was very tight up. Um, the shots were tight up. Um, it felt quite frenetic and quite wild, which was really, really good. And they felt very nimble, which um, I think sometimes is quite difficult to achieve. So yeah, really, really nicely done. And then obviously we got um, we got the surprise of the Purgle. 
So it's, it's looking like CTOS is, is a bit of a, I don't want to say Nexus, but a Nexus, bit of a Nexus planet where, you know, the, um, the hyperspace lanes probably begin to the next galaxy. We know the Purgle can travel through hyperspace using their own navigation. Probably the Force, let's be honest, it was similar to the Skywalkers in, in, in the new Thrawn trilogy um, who, and the old Jedi in the, the High Republic uh, navigating using the Force. Um, feels like that's what the Purgle are doing and, and, and this is just the start of, you know, it's like when you get on the M1, go straight past St. Albans, straight down to London, get on the M1 at that big roundabout, same sort of thing. It all starts there and off <laughs> you go up to Scotland and wherever else. Um, it feels like that's the deal and that's why the Purgle were there last last week. Um but there were a couple of interesting things with this one. It seems they knock about on this planet or around this planet, probably for that reason. Um, but a couple of really interesting things. Um, number one, just the design and the scale and the quality of rendering on these things was absolutely magnificent, especially the way that there was that big one in Rebels. Like there were some little ones, you know, like Bumblebee and Jazz from Transformers. Then you got the big Optimus Prime Mofo. <laughs> and he was there. So you could see this in, in, in this episode as well. There were the Purgle, the little ones, the normal ones, and then this big daddy. Um, so that was quite interesting to me because the design was epic. The rendering was epic, like the flying through, almost like the trench run to a degree in, in, in A New Hope. Um, all really nicely done. And then the second thing that I thought that was really good was um, first time that Sabine had seen the Purgle since Ezra disappeared. And you could sort of see a little smile on her face as if to say, number one, it's reminding me of him. But number two, actually, we found these guys. Are we going to find mm. him? Um, mm. So just the Perga would just, you know, they lent into it, didn't they, last year with Mandalorian, showing them in hyperspace with Grogu. And, you know, they're, they're out in full force this season, dude. Yeah, and I'm wondering if that's some foreshadowing as well that's going to come later on in, in this season. I reckon that, I reckon that Morgan's going to get that um, hyperspace ring up and running. They're going to fucking steal that as well, like they did the ship. <laughs> <It's> just, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's, it's like South yeah. London. Oh, they like a tickle around there. Oh. oh. Have you, did you lock the Scion, Morgan? Nah, no need. Have you seen the size of it? Nowhere to put it. No. Do you know what? If they can get it, good on them. Just back that other ship up in front of it. <laughs> yeah, what in the centre? Yeah. yeah, put it in the middle of it. That'll do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I reckon that Morgan's going to bugger off in that. And then Ahsoka, Etel, are going to use the Purgles mm-hmm. to follow, to give chase through the same hyperspace lane, catch up to him. Maybe that's Sabine's moment. Maybe she's a living that's force your... person. There you go, mate. That's the one. She's. It's going to be a desperate hour. Morgan's escaped along, um, you know. Yeah, and... yeah, in the big dog. And she can, maybe the Purgle can feel a connection to Ezra or something. I don't know. Well, that's what I'm going to say. But the, the, the basis for Sabine being such a moody bitch for many years was that she misses Ezra, you know, because she's continuously replaying the hologram message. So she's clearly down. So all hope is lost because the massive hyperspace ring has left. And so Morgan's on her way to get Thrawn. And so the only way to follow is with the Purgles. And because... Sabine has got a more emotional attachment to Ezra than Ahsoka. That's when the fourth dude. That's it. I don't think you're far off with that, dude. And we always say we predict it and get it wrong, but I'm not entirely sure that's far off. I reckon next week it's going to be Hunter Prey, Predator style, 
<laughs> and a bit of a showdown with Balin, with Ahsoka and Balin. That's when I think that's when we're going to get the, you know, everyone in the Jedi Order new Anakin. I think we're going to get a little bit of that, which then leads to episode five, which is the flashbacks and or a bit of Anakin, whether it's flashback or not, I don't know. Um, but the end of it will be, like you said, maybe the ring fucks off and the Purgle will have to follow. Um, that's not a bad shout. Yeah, that's probably it. Oh yeah, because at the end of this episode, he sends off the the dudes to hunt them down in the forest. So they're obviously going to take care of them. So it'll be up to him yeah. to then, you know, go and get the job well, done. Well, that's where the map is. They've not seen the map, have they? Oh, yeah, yeah, true. Oh, she saw the map. She unlocked it, but it went, it got stolen. So they've not seen the map. So they've got to get to the map, which is where we know that Balin and Ahsoka have a face-off or at least a chat under the map. Yeah. yeah. That's it, dude. I don't think that is likely to be far wrong, actually. Hmm. Interesting. I reckon next year, next week's going to be a good. I think this week was the was the space battle, mm. you know, one. I think next week is going to be the mid season ish mm-hmm. um, lightsaber one. I reckon it's going to be a good old a good old throwdown while the stuff's going on in the background. I think Hera's going to Hera's probably going to go against the 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 direction that's been given from the senators, and she's going to go anyway. That'll be Chopper. He's, gonna... He's always encouraging. And then little Jason will be like, what would dad do? Uh, yeah. Not here though, is it? Little... Hey, bringing that up all the time. Yeah. Stop asking for him. He's not here. He's working. <laughs> yeah. He's working. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell me that dad was dead? Not dead. Working. He's working. Yeah. yeah. Look, he's blue over there. there semi-transparent. Go and say hello if you want. <laughs> yeah. Makes you wonder about that. Be good to get a little cane and force ghost, wouldn't it? They're all at it because we know we can talk in the force. <laughs> they're, they're all, all at it. They're all these Jedi. What are they doing? We know they can talk because we've heard him in the Rise of Skywalker. We know he can talk. Well, Obi Wan does, doesn't he? To Luke, Luke doesn't even see him. Yeah, like a you know, second like, after his Luke, dive. Run, yeah. You can hear them. They can definitely talk through yeah. the force. And sometimes it's like, "Where are you? Yeah, needed you." Like 10 minutes ago, get me ass kicked. But now you want to turn up when I'm in there bed. you are. Trying to get kicked. Yeah, dick. <laughs> Obi wanking, Obi. Piss off. They're all, <laughs> they're all at it. They're yeah? all at it. I'll tell you what, though. Qui-Gon as well. He's no better. Qui-Gon? Qui fucking always around. him and Qui-Gon. Obi-Wan was meditating for months, years, trying to commune with him. And Qui-Gon's like, do I go now? Yeah. Yoda's like, nah, nah. Let him, let him stew for a bit more. Mm-hmm. Out learning. Take the piss we shall. <laughs> yeah. Come on, it's been a few months now. Nah, let's draw this out. This is hilarious. Why don't you leave it 10 years, <laughs> Qui-Gon? That'd be a laugh. <laughs> and then after he's got his ass kicked and has gone through the mill, then he turns up in the desert at the end. When he's totally and cool, again, doesn't need help, sorted it all out yeah. himself. Where were you, mate? Yeah. I've always been here. You just had to look. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's well, that, that one. My it's fault. Fucking my fault. Yeah. Is it? It's not. It's not me. Yeah. It's you. Hey, <laughs> eh? twy gone. You twat. Uh, Get out. Get out. Love it. Get out. Love that. Oh, mole's still alive. Eat that, you prick. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh, mate. Right. These are probably the conversations that happen behind the scenes with the Jedi. Oh, yeah. I just don't know it. Yeah, off camera. Yeah. Right. Off camera. Quick one. <laughs> There's been a little bit of tinkering online. 
So, you know, we had this Galen Marrick. Marrick is the Inquisitor's name. Sam, Wh Sam Witt was probably voicing it. Um, no, it's not. It's right. Starkiller, it's right? Not. Well, anyway, so yeah, we. I, it's clearly not. I don't think it's Starkiller or any remnant of Starkiller. Latest one, Ezra is Marrick the Inquisitor. Yay or nay? No. No, I agree. Why would that Why would that work? Why? Don't know. What's the, the basis for that? Don't know. Don't know. Just could be a thing. Yeah. Because uh, it'd be no, a quote-unquote so. twist. It's super obvious, though, wouldn't it? It would be... Um, yeah, I mean... What, so Ezra came back and is now work, is in cahoots with Balin and... And he's just... He was... Well, he's an Inquisitor, isn't he? So, like, you've got to think... Because he's got the lightsaber from the Inquisitorius. So you've got to assume he'd been through the Inquisitor shit. Or oh, that's, yeah, that's a stretch. Or he killed an Inquisitor and took all his gear. Yeah, or 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 Balin knows the end game, mm. so doesn't want to reveal him to the to those lot too early. I would sort of be annoyed if that yeah. was the case. It's like a cheap twist. Yeah, exactly that. That would just be a a very cheap one. Baloney knows better than that. I exactly, reckon. he's not M Night Shyamalan, is he? The happening. Watched that a couple of months ago. Dreadful. Yeah. He's brilliant. Like, he does some mint stuff, then some shockers. Oh, yeah. Like, one of my favourite films is um, Signs. Oh, classic. Not one of his, like, more popular ones. It's not up there with The Sixth Sense in terms of, mm. like, reviews and box office and whatnot. But it's a cracking film. It, really the good. The suspense is wild in that movie. Brilliant. Yeah, really cool. And uh, old Gibson's great in it. Gibbo. No racist stuff knocking about in that one. So nice scene working, up. actually. Green light, yeah. But um, things like The Happening and, yeah. What's the other one? I can't remember. Uh, it's just really, really shit. But I think Filoni's learned from that, you know, if anything. So, Catholic, go and watch some of those films. Don't do that. He's like, yeah, I've got this idea for a twist. She's like, signs. He's like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. See you later, yeah. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> yeah, he just pops his head around the door, doesn't go in properly. Signs. Fuck. Cool. See you later. It's like, you can hear him walking down the corridor like, Favreau, Filoni, <laughs> signs, dick, signs. Suspense. And then you can just hear at, at the other end of the phone, like, cause it's, on a, it's on a bit loud, just hear Favreau like, fuck, signs, fuck, fuck, yeah. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> And now that's just his thing in all the interviews. So episode three was a slow burn, wasn't it? Suspense, yeah? Build on it. Yeah? You've seen Signs? That's what do you I, want larger than life or do you want signs? <laughs> yeah. Because I'll tell you what we don't want and it's signs. Yeah. Not call me M, M. Night Shamafaloni, do they? No. Yeah. Use your sixth sense. Get out. Get out of here. Go on. God. I see average people. Get out. <laughs> yeah. I see average people. <laughs> get out. You're better than this. Uh, anyway, that's probably what happens behind the scenes. Over me. Yeah. You know what happens if uh, Mike Zero gets hold of this. YouTube if he's listening Mike Zero is <laughs> listening you know his next video is going to be M. Night Shyamalan ruins Star Wars <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy to blame <laughs> like, oh, okay now alright Zero email thread yeah between Shyamalan and Kath goes viral everything's Bucks redacted apart from signs that's signs, definitely yeah. legit look at that he's mentioned signs 100% legit no way is that fake and he's using Outlook <laughs> that's a Shyamalan thing <laughs> 
no Gmail around here, mate. It's probably probably Yahoo Mail. Yeah. Or anything. Use Proton Mail, you jerk off. Thank you. Secure. God. Yeah. <laughs> Signature. Right. Let's stick a pin on it. <laughs> this has been Ahsoka episode three. Time to fly. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Ahsoka Review Podcast, part of the Nerd Podcast Network, and a sister show to our weekly Star Wars news podcast, Spark of Rebellion, which you can find in all podcast apps, and of course at sparkofrebellion.com. Until the next episode, I've been Mark. I'm looking forward to joining you next week for episode four. Gazla, always a pleasure, big man. See you next week. Yes, we'll see you next week for some more Ahsoka chat. It's been good to talk through part three time to fly we'll see you next time thank you very much to all of you that follow us over on the socials by the way we chat star wars and ahsoka so come and follow us over there just do a search for spark of rebellion that's what we uh that's what we use to chat all the star wars things and to our supporters of the show thank you very much we'll see you next time until then may the force be with you always